0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This show is your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Thank you for being with us. Well, this segment is brought to you by a new sponsor called Biproxy. That's B-I-P-R-O-X-I dot com. is a complimentary listing service for commercial properties, and they also have a full customized suite of marketing that you can invest in if you if you like. So check them out, byproxy.com. Well, this is the first show, if you will, of 2019. And we've certainly been through a lot of gyrations recently uh, in the economy, in the stock market. We've had a, a government shutdown. And as a broker, I get to talk to a lot of clients and builders and developers and Well, I'm starting to hear some people a little nervous. It seems like, uh, you know, we had another rate hike in December. There's been some uh, some volatility out there and some changes that are making people nervous. So you've heard, if you're a show listener, you listen to a lot of the shows, you've heard some really smart economists and analysts uh, looking forward to 2019 and 20. And the pictures have been rosy. I mean, pictures have been positive positive but are people more nervous now? What's going on now? So we're calling the show 2019 Now as a question, what's happening? And one of my favorite guests we have on the phone today, it's Casey Conway, and he's the senior economist with CCIM. And he's joining us on the phone. Casey, good to talk to you.
1: Good to talk to you, Michael. Happy New Year.
0: Thank you. And Casey, as I mentioned in the opening, um, some people are getting a little more nervous now about the economy and about commercial real estate moving forward. You know, the government shutdown and all this. Should we be a little more concerned than we were?
1: Well, we, we should because we need to kind of remember that what moves economies and markets is a, is a lot of psychology and sentiment. So things that at that... Uh, over a prolonged period of time, if left unattended, they they sure can impact the market. But I'm in the camp that the fundamentals of this economy are are, are still very very solid and very strong with good momentum to carry us through to 19. But the problem we have is we have government entities basically uh, kind of screwing the thing up. So if if you think about it, just when things were kind of going so well, if you go back to July – You know, we would had just our two Fed rate hikes, and the guidance was maybe one more, and we could handle that. Uh, We had a very normal uh, yield curve. We had a good 45 basis points between the the three-month and the two-year, and another 45 basis points between the two-year and the 10-year. We didn't have a government shutdown. We didn't have tariffs. Tariffs were still just kind of being talked about. Nobody really believed we'd have a trade war. Uh, We hadn't had the November elections. People weren't thinking about that until after their Labor Day picnic. And so when you think of the shocks that the market has had to absorb really the last thirty to sixty days, they're they're pretty substantive that are gonna rattle sentiment and consumer and business confidence. And I think that's where we are right now. I, I don't see the R word for twenty nineteen recession, <laughs> but I sure see the V word volatility. And what what the what the Fed has essentially done is they're trying to extract us From quantitative easing and maybe too quickly to quantitative normal, but they forget there's no instruction manual that that came with how to undo quantitative easing. So there's a lot of unintended consequences. I think we're going to learn those, the Fed may learn those, as well as we go through. But the fundamental GDP, we're still a 3% GDP economy. Um, We're not going to see us go from 3% GDP to two consecutive quarters of negative GDP in 2019. Uh, we've still got uh, good, solid business capital investment. Consumer uh, confidence is high. We just had our probably our best December and Christmas holiday season that we've ever had, setting about every kind of retail sales record and Amazon record. Um, you know, we've got um, you know good employment numbers. Um, uh, unemployment, you know, near 50, 50, 60-year lows, below 4%. We have more job openings still than we do have unemployed working-age adults. Uh, you know, the ISM numbers came out pretty decent. Uh, Q3 earnings, told, companies told us, while margins have taken a little bit of a hit from the tariffs, they've not been enough of a hit to cause them to say, let's quit manufacturing and close plants and, and, and lay people off. So And I think we're going to see some good news things come into the market pretty quickly. I think fourth quarter earnings will be very, very good. Uh the end of January, we get our first read on fourth quarter GDP, And I think that's going to come in near a three percent mark. So you start getting the build on those, and hopefully the government reopens. We've we've had 18 shutdowns since 1976. Most only last a few days. Um, The longest has been 21 days in 95, 96, at the end of Clinton's administration. So uh, hopefully these things don't last. You know, we don't break that record here. But I think there's a lot of, a lot of momentum. The other momentum is a lot of the positive impact from the 2017 Tax Act still has to come. Opportunity zones are a big piece for those of us in commercial real estate. Uh, that, that piece is yet to really play out here. So I think it's a lot about sentiment and psychology, and the government entities are, are sure screwing that piece up. But we, can just, we can just get them back on their meds. I think we'll be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's good. And as you mentioned, the signals from the economy are good, so what are the numbers, what are the indicators that, as commercial real estate practitioners, investors, developers, should we put the most emphasis in?
1: Yeah, great, great question. So I tend to look at those forward-looking indicators. Let's start with, you know, small business runs about 40 to 50% of our economy, so I really study the, the NFIB Small Business Optimism Index. It's set all-time records, 45-year high records, uh, the second half of this year. I would watch that. It's, it's been in the 107, 108 range. If that suddenly slipped and went below 100 back into the 90s where it was at the end of the Obama administration, that would really be telling to me because that would, that would be telling me small business, which are small tenants. Uh, they're entities that occupy a lot of our commercial real estate, our smaller commercial real estate, that they're pulling back in. So I'd watch that NFIV index. I, I expect to see some erosion into the 105, 104 range. But still, those are incredible numbers compared to what we dealt with for a decade. The second one I love to look at is rail traffic. So the American Association of Railroads produces a monthly report called Rail Time Indicators. And it is perfectly, rail traffic is perfectly correlated to GDP. And whatever is happening on the railroads is what's going to happen to GDP uh, going forward. So rail traffic, October, set an all-time record. For intermodal moving containers and stuff that we're manufacturing uh, and exporting, despite the tariffs being in effect. So, I'd watch rail traffic um, and to see how it how it arose. Now, you're going to see some rail traffic decline over energy, so it's important to segment the energy kind of carloads um, in in the aggregates because this energy prices have almost dropped by 50%. You're going to see less fracking. You're going to see less movement of sand and aggregates to help in the fracking and less movement of petroleum. But I'd pay attention to the intermodal numbers. So NFIB, small business optimism, rail traffic. And the other big one I'd really pay attention to are quarterly earnings from the companies that are really relevant to your local economy. So um, I'm over at the University of Alabama and float back and forth between Atlanta and Tuscaloosa. In, uh, you know, with, between South Carolina and Alabama and Georgia, we, Tennessee, kind of we do a lot of automobile manufacturing. So I'd be really looking closely at the automobile manufacturing companies, entities like Caterpillar, and what they're telling us about margins and uh, their forward guidance, um, because they're going to, they're going to tell you when things are getting to the point that maybe they close factories, maybe they uh, cut back on, on hiring and whatnot. So I'd really pay attention to the, the quarterly earnings on the companies that impact your economy um so here in atlanta you know look at the financials um the financials are going to be ugly if they don't get their rate hikes their net interest margin is going to be um not so rosy and they're having to pay a little bit more for, for deposits so uh if you're in a market that has a lot of banks and financials maybe not so good for the office market um if you're in manufacturing pay attention to those quarterly earnings of manufacturers and and then look at the rail traffic because that really trues up what's happening yeah. um and the last one I'd look at is, you know, look at the inventory numbers. If you look at most of the major markets, that we're usually in pretty good balance when we don't have new construction for any property type, exceed about 2% of inventory. If you look at most of the markets across the country, the southeast, the southwest, the southern states, we, we don't have new construction inventory, new construction activity that exceeds the 2% of existing inventory. So, we are not overbuilding. I don't see the overbuilding signs at all. Rents are holding up. They're still expanding. Vacancy rates are solid. Industrial just set all-time. New record lows below 5%. Um, you know, retail's had its best year. multifamily still growing at 2 to 4%. So I don't see a fall off a cliff, the overbuilding type thing. You know, and even if the 10-year Treasury migrates back to 3 or up to 3.5%, remember in 2004 to 2006, we had a great economy with 16 Fed rate hikes that took us back to a 5% 10-year ten- ten- treasury. So we should be able to still figure out how to function even if the 10-year gets back to a 35 or 4% range.
0: Yeah, we're talking with Casey Conway. He's economist with CCIM about, hey, the recent volatility of the stock market and, and the shutdown, government shutdown and everything else, what's expected for 2019? And Casey, you mentioned rates. You know, you had the. Did you expect the December rate hike from the Fed, and what do you expect moving forward for interest rates?
1: So I'll I'll tell you, I'm like a broken clock. You get to be twice. You get to be right twice a day, (laughs) twice in your career. So (laughs) last year this time, I've used uh, at least one of my one of my chits there. So this time last year, I forecast. I was one of those crazy people that said we're going to have four rate hikes in 2018. In a um, hike, pause, hike, pause pattern, and said, "My my guess is, my guess is, Yellen won't do a hike on her way out. Powell won't do it at his first meeting until we get to sea legs. So that probably means March is the earliest we get our first rate hike, and they'll probably follow it up in in June to kind of let things settle and see how the summer goes. And then they'll get back active again if unemployment is below four um, percent. They'll get back active in September and December." So I got all four rate hikes. Not only did I get four, the number right, I got them in an exact FOMC meeting. So uh, I'm I'm probably going to be 100% wrong for 2019. My outlook on 2019, if we get one rate hike, um, I'll probably be shocked, and it will come mid to late year. But I I think the Fed's on pause mode at least through first quarter and maybe most of the second quarter. I don't think we see a a hike until uh, things really settle down. If you got the government back open, a trade deal done, um, you know, some of this market volatility settled back down. Uh, a lot of folks think that the Fed does not pay attention to the stock market and stock prices. I can tell you from my five years there during 2005 10 period, I can tell you in every pre FOMC meeting I was in, we talked about the stock market. <laughs> so it, it does weigh heavy. It's a big part of of, of people's net worth, uh, of the health of the economy. Um, they may not know what box to put it in. And, Maybe they, uh, you know they stay quiet on it, but they pay a lot of attention to it.
0: Yeah, well, it just makes sense. and if nothing else, it's the, the sentiment, right? The, uh, the outlook for consumers, you know the, our, how's our stock market doing, our 401k and, and how's the, our home value doing. Um, anything else you'd leave us with Casey to, to think about moving forward to 2019, maybe especially if we're maybe shivering in our boots right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'd say on the real estate side, I really wouldn't freak out. You know, we we have a housing shortage in this country. We're creating more households, and and uh, you know m- most of those new households are on the more entry level of housing, and they they either don't have the credit score or they don't have the cash and down payment. So they're, they're, we're going to see more multifamily household formation. So I wouldn't freak out that multifamily uh, permits and starts were were up in this in this last report. Um, we're still seeing total housing units of only about a million one and a half, million two. So we're not overbuilding housing. We're going to continue to see good solid 5% home price appreciation. Um, so I don't see housing causing a, a recession or putting us in the ditch there. Um, we're not overbuilding commercial real estate. Most markets and most property types, we're, we're building, you know, at or under 2% of existing inventory. Rents are still growing. Absorption still positive. Um, and when you look at this sort of market volatility, you know, people with commercial real estate investment, they know what the rent is, they know the asset, they can touch it and feel it, and no one sends them a quarterly statement in their in their mailbox every month telling them it just dropped 20%. <laughs> <laughs> so it tends to force people to look more at real estate investments, and I think REITs, which have underperformed, uh, could be kind of that star darling performer in 20 in 2019. But I think real estate assets kind of get favored by investors in these periods of market volatility because they can touch it, feel it, understand it, uh, know their coupon, know their rent payment, know their expense ratio. So I think this kind of volatility tends to favor um, commercial real estate and real estate investments. Um, You know, when when you still have good fundamentals, good GDP, positive job growth, low unemployment, household formation, those are all in place.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes good sense. And Casey, I now feel better after talking to you. <laughs> Thank
1: you for joining glad, us. Sir. Glad, I could, glad, our, glad our couch session was, well, was, uh, was productive
0: today. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Casey. And uh, you have a good start to 2019. Thanks for coming on the show. You too, as well. Thank you, Michael. All right. Well, stay with us. We're going to have more about the expectations for 2019 now. <laughs> stay with us. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
2: Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com.
0: Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Well, this segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty, for client-focused asset and occupancy solutions. Visit bullrealty.com or give me a call. Well, today we're talking about 2019 now. You know, what has changed? What should we expect moving forward for property performance, for the economy, for cap rates, for interest rates? A lot of volatility, it seems like, out there. We've had such smooth sailing. I want to welcome back one of my favorite guests of all time we've had on the show before. You may know him, Ryan Severino. And Ryan Severino, and he's joining us on the phone today. Now, he is chief economist with JLL. Thanks for uh, joining us, Ryan.
3: Thanks for having me, Michael. Happy New Year.
0: Well, thank you. And Ryan, you uh, really watch the market very closely, and you have for a long time. And I'm sure you've kind of had an outlook for 2019 for a while that's kind of been, I guess, adjusted somewhat. But it seems like there's been some volatility recently. What is going on now? Has your outlook for 2019 adjusted any in the last month or so?
3: Not significantly. I think... The point I often reinforce when talking about the last month or so is that it's really critical to remember there is a difference between what's going on in the real economy and what's going on in the markets. And certainly the markets are, to an extent, a reflection of what goes on in the economy, but there are a whole bunch of other things that get baked into market psychology and market behavior that have nothing to do with what's really going on fundamentally in the economy. And that distinction becomes important because... When you get caught up in an environment like this, where the stock market is volatile and, and yields are jumping around in the bond market, it's easy to distract yourself from the underlying trends. And I look at the underlying trends, and I still see pretty good strength in the economy, maybe not the kind of strength that we saw the middle of last year when the economy was growing at a 35 to 4% pace. But I don't see the kind of slowdown ahead that I think the market's are intimating right now. So I think it's an important distinction for everyone to remember that the markets can certainly have an impact on consumer behavior, and they can certainly have an impact on corporate behavior. But often, the markets and the economy are different things. And I think that's really the case with what's been going on over the last uh, month, two months or so.
0: Right. What about the length of this cycle, Ryan? Has the last couple months adjusted anything related to your timing to how long these kind of good times, if you will, will last?
1: I still
3: think we are in for some pretty good times over the next at least 12 to 18 months. Again, hearkening back to what's going on with economic fundamentals, I think it's important for people to remember that despite the fact that we are more than nine and a half years into an expansion at this point, the economy is still growing at a pace that's above long-term potential. I still tweaking with the models, but I estimate that we'll see growth in the U.S. somewhere around mid-twos, two and a half percent or so this year, which is in excess of of long-run potential growth. If you look at the labor market, we are still dealing with an unemployment rate that's hovering near half-century low levels. We're starting to see wage growth accelerating. There are still more than seven million open but unfilled jobs in the U.S., and just about every survey that you can, can reference points to the fact that there continues to be a significant labor shortage in the U.S. Consumers are still feeling pretty confident. Businesses are still feel, feeling pretty buoyant about where we are. So as we head into 2019, I think the fundamentals in the economy look pretty good, and I don't see a significant risk of a slowdown in 2019. If anything, I think the markets are probably a little bit too pessimistic on that front. I think they're behaving in a manner that's more reflective of what I think would be a stronger slowdown than, than what I think we're likely to see this year. I think a slowing in the economy in 2019 relative to 2018 is almost certainly in the cards, but I think the markets have probably been a little too pessimistic in, in how they've been viewing the outlook recently.
0: Okay. So, Ryan, what does that mean for interest rate forecast uh, for next year? Have, has that adjusted for you slightly, or what do you think?
3: That, I think, has been an adjustment. And that's not just simply due to volatility upset in the market. I think if we actually look at financial conditions broadly, not simply just where interest rates are, but in general, broader conditions, willingness to lend, etc., there has been a tightening in financial conditions over the last couple of months that probably occurred, I think, to a greater extent than most were anticipating. And as a consequence of that, I think a few things have happened. Number one, you've already seen the Fed and their last meeting in December back off slightly their forecast for interest rate increases in 2019 relative to what they were saying just uh, just a a few months prior. Secondly, I think if you look across most – professional prognosticators, including myself, we've probably also been forced to slightly downward adjust our outlook, simply because the Fed has backed off a little bit. The beginning of last year, or toward the middle of last year, I probably would have thought more in the range of two to three rate hikes this year. Now, because of financial conditions, I think that's been revised downward, probably more in the The one-to-two camp, and I think we'll have to see exactly how the year starts to unfold before we have a little more clarity on that. But in my mind, that's not simply a function of the fact that markets had a little bit of a hissy fit over the last couple of months, I think it is to a large extent owed to the fact that financial conditions have tightened faster than the Fed probably thought that they would, and that's causing them to revise their outlook a little bit. So I still think the economy is strong enough and the labor market is strong enough to argue for the Fed to continue to tighten, but I think because of the overall broad financial conditions at least taking more of a – cautionary approach feels appropriate to me at this point
0: okay and i like that ryan as an economist when you're doing a graph for market volatility is there is a hissy fit one of the, one of the labels that's
3: yeah, a technical economics term that we throw around from time to
0: time <laughs> i like that so what does all this mean for cap rates do you think moving forward it seems like commercial real estate might be considered kind of the safe part of your portfolio these days does that mean what, what do you think for cap rates then
1: You know,
3: I still see stability in cap rates. I think there continues to be, and I know you and I have talked about this before in the past, but there continues to be this bit of a misperception in the market that when interest rates go up, it explicitly means that cap rates are going up. And I think participants in the market sometimes forget that market fundamentals – still matter and to a large extent they matter more than what's going on with interest rates because investors will pay more for properties that are performing well than they will for properties that are flat to to having declining performance and where we are in the cycle right now when you look at fundamentals they're holding up pretty well, maybe not as strongly as they were three, four years ago. But across property types, we're still seeing relatively low vacancy rates, even if it's drift, they're drifting marginally higher. We're still seeing positive rent growth, even if it's not as, as strong as it, as it once was just a few years ago. And I think as long as we continue to see relative health and fundamentals – we should continue to see relatively stable cap rates. I don't think we're likely to see the kind of compression that we've seen throughout most of the cycle, and I think the data already already is indicating that. In most cases, we're seeing cap rates at least, if not stalling out, appearing to hit a little bit of a floor, and in in some parts of the country maybe ticking up a little bit. So I don't expect to see a massive expansion in cap rates this year. I I think there's a a bit of a tug-of-war going on between rising interest rates and what 's going on with fundamentals, but as long as fundamentals remain relatively healthy, then i wouldn 't expect to see a lot of upward pressure on cap rates in two thousand and nineteen
0: okay, Orion, well, what should we watch out for? What concerns you when you look at, uh, at the future of the economy and commercial real estate? What might be a headwind
3: you know there There are a few things that I think about when i 'm trying to gaze into the crystal ball. the first which is sort of, by definition, unpredictable, is what I will broadly call political risk. And I, I don't mean that in in any sort of politically incendiary way, except to say that when you have decisions that are being made for political expediency that don't take into account economic considerations, there there are two things that are concerning. Number one, that it's highly unpredictable. It can't really be modeled. It's often idiosyncratic, especially with with the tenor of, of politics and governance these days. So it, it makes forecasting some of these things virtually impossible. The second thing is it often produces counterproductive results, even if they are, as I mentioned, politically expedient. So that is something that we have to keep an eye on. Policy in general tends to cause problems if implemented in the wrong way at the wrong time, and it seems like as we head into 2019, we could be dealing with a number of those things this year. So keep an eye on on the political situation. It, It adds an element of unpredictability above and beyond the general level of unpredictability that we often have to contend with in the economy. The second thing I would say is keep a close eye on what ultimately happens with interest rates there's a lot has been made over the flattening of the yield curve and then at least at the short end the inversion of the yield curve but the yield curve continues to be the probably the best Predictor of recessions that we have, and I'm I'm not ready to throw out the yield curve. Uh, I, I know some people have been heavily discounting it recently, but as I'm I'm fond of saying, the two most dangerous thoughts in economics are this time is different and that will never happen again. So when I hear people say this time is different regarding the yield curve, it, it makes my spider sense tingle a little bit. So keep an eye on the yield curve. The yield curve really needs to invert before we start to to get concerned about the medium to long-term outlook. And I don't think we're quite there yet. We've seen some compression in the yield curve, but we haven't quite seen a full inversion. The last thing that I would say is really keep an eye on the labor market. The labor market tends to show signs of disruption before you see them in the overall GDP numbers. So pay close attention to not just the month-to-month jobs figures, but also what's going on with unemployment claims. If there's going to be any sort of disruption in the labor market, we would probably likely see it in the week-to-week unemployment claims, which have, have also been hovering uh, near half-century low levels, before we would see it show up in the actual labor role. So just keep an eye on that. And then the last thing I would say, just sort of generally, it's, it's important to remember, it's not so much that levels matter when we're thinking about where the economy is going, it's the changes that we see. So Pay close attention to the changes that you're seeing in the economy. If things are still improving, but they're not improving at the rate that they once were, that's something to keep an eye on because usually we see a slowdown in a lot of these variables before we actually start to see any sort of deterioration or or contraction in them.
0: Okay. Well, Ryan, as a final word, what could be the good news? I mean, we have, as you said, we have a lot of great news, a lot of uh, economic factors are very positive Uh, What could be even better news for commercial real estate moving forward?
3: I think commercial real estate finds itself in an advantageous position right now for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm going to generalize a little bit, but what we tend to see is when there are disruptions in other asset classes, particularly the publicly traded asset classes, it tends to be to the benefit of commercial real estate. It tends to be viewed in a more favorable light, particularly on the part of major institutional investors or any investors that really will fluctuate or alternate between asset classes or or alternate their asset allocations. So any disruption that you see in, in publicly traded assets like stocks and bonds can be to the benefit of commercial real estate. So I think that's a first important point as we think about 2019. The second point that I would make is, even if we are in a bit of a slowdown, which I I think it's fair to concede, even if the markets have, have have probably overshot a little bit, commercial real estate in 2019 finds itself in a pretty favorable position relative to where we were 10 years ago. And by that, I mean, if you look at the fundamentals, they're holding up pretty well, even after nine and a half years of an expansion. But we're not in the excess leverage position that we were heading into the last downturn. And I think we should all take a victory lap, pat ourselves on the back for that, whether we're on the investing side or, or the lending side, because that kind of discipline will help the sector hold up pretty well, even when the next downturn inevitably comes, because I think it's, it's economics is a cyclical phenomenon. It's really a question of, of when, not if, but that said, I think the sector will will hold up reasonably well, even if it's not immune to a downturn, because we haven't gotten into an excess leverage situation like we did in the last cycle. So I think there are good things to look forward to for commercial real estate in 2019.
0: So when it comes to the level of debt on commercial real estate, it is different this time.
3: <laughs> it's definitely different yeah. this time. I yeah. think people got way over their skis during the last cycle and you know commercial real estate certainly wasn't wasn't alone in that respect but i think there's been there's been a modicum of discipline that we've seen this cycle that puts us in a far better position even if we do head into a downturn than what we saw the last time the last time the debt situation was clearly excessive and uh and in certain pockets of the market, it really resulted in some pretty painful results. I, I don't see anything nearly that that dire, even if we are heading into a slowdown over the next, uh, the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, it seems to me that commercial real estate uh, may be a safe place to put your money right now. Ryan Severino, thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts with us. Uh, as usual, uh, great insight. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Michael. Anytime. Happy New Year. You too. All right. Well, stay with us. We'll have more on 2019 now. What should we expect at this point moving forward? I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Have you seen BuyProxy.com? Brokers list properties, buyers and tenants search properties all at no cost. They also have a suite of marketing services. Check them out at buyproxy.com. That's spelled B I P R O X I.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404 876 1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel forecasts and success strategies. I'm Michael Bull. The segment is brought to you by BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I. They are the industry standard for training and education for facilities and property management. Check them out. Well, our show today is called 2019 Now. What is going on? (laughs) You know, a lot of people are concerned. We've had a government shutdown. We had a December rate hike. We have tariffs. We have people kind of shaking in their boots. So I want to bring back the experts that have told us what we should expect for 2019 in the past and see what they say now. Please welcome Mitch Rosell. He is a partner with PWC and he's here in Studio One with us. Mitch, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Michael. So Mitch, you've told us before 2019 was gonna be good. Everything's gonna be rosy, at least I think you said through 2020. Uh, But things seem to be, there's been some upheaval in the stock market. People seem a little nervous. What
2: do you think? I think you have to decouple what's going on in the stock market from virtually everything else. Um, It all started in the stock market in early October when Chairman Powell indicated that because the economy was so strong, they were going to continue to raise rates. Uh, The December rate hike, he signaled that was likely going to happen, and it did. And maybe as many as three or four rate hikes in 19. And at that point, the market freaked out. What's interesting though is, and I'm talking about the public stock equity markets for a second, they went up precipitously almost from the election um, through October and that was backed up by corporate earnings. Um, The folks who invest in equities love the idea of deregulation, they love the idea of tax reform. Tax reform was promised and got delivered, deregulation was starting to happen, and that was flushing out in corporate earnings. Corporate earnings were up double digits in many cases, almost as much as 30% year over year, and that was fantastic. And then, all of a sudden, the worry beads came out and people started freaking out. But if you decouple what's gone on in the market from a volatility perspective and look at the underlying fundamentals of the economy, still strong. The thing that's interesting, though, is our economy in the United States is part of a global economy. And let's leave out the debate about globalism and nationalism for a second. But our economy is linked to other economies around the world. And because other economies around the world are starting to slow, there's a fear that there'll be a knock-on effect in the United States, and our economy will start to slow as a result. That may or may not be the case, but that's what got into the the soup that started to get people to freak out. Um, But this is the commercial real estate show, and your question's probably about real estate. If you look at the fundamentals behind commercial real estate, nothing has changed. So... I would say my personal view is 2019 is going to be as strong as 2018. 2019 is going to be as strong as we forecasted in emerging trends in real estate. Um, but we're sitting here in January, <laughs> and, and I could absolutely be wrong, and then you'll never have me back again.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're here with tape at the end of uh, December here, and your sentiment about the future has it changed in the last month? I mean, you have a government shutdown. You have, what's, as you mentioned, the stock market gyrations. Any change in
2: your sentiment? Well, let's look, if, if we're talking about real estate for yeah. a second, let's think about what drives that. A decision mm-hmm. by a landlord to uh, invest in an asset, mm-hmm. a decision by a tenant to lease an asset, a decision by um, a property owner to build on a piece of land. And those are the things that happen in real estate. Mm-hmm. So are people going to change the way they view investment decisions, whether it be the decision to pay rent, the decision to buy a building, because they're worried about stock market volatility, the Fed shutdown, the Fed raising raids, a government shutdown, a trade war with um, with China? I don't think so. I think that the fundamentals are still strong. We have not built new supply. Uh, in housing, um, single-family housing. We're still under-building new supply and multifamily housing. Um, we uh, we probably are over-retailed. Uh, we most likely don't have enough office space in the places where people want to live, work, and play. Um, so all of those things are still fundamentally strong. Corporate profits, by the way, corporate profits in 2019, year over year, aren't going to be as strong as they were last year because last year got the one-timer for uh, tax um reform benefits. However, when you talk to stock analysts and look at their forward forecast for corporate earnings for 2019, they haven't really changed it as a result of what's gone on in the last couple of weeks. And if corporate profits are strong, um, that's going to be the thing that drives the decisions that are good for the commercial real estate industry
0: we play devil's advocate with you here for a moment because obviously I'm a proponent of commercial real estate. But if we're having uh, gyrations in the stock market, if that's making consumers skittish, um, if that could that affect the job market, consumer confidence, uh, job growth, which obviously then you start seeing some trickle down effect of commercial real estate moving forward. Did that give you
2: any indication of a change? I feel like I should reach down and pull out a MAGA hat right now and, <laughs> and stick it on. Okay, so we have uh, 7 million people in America mm-hmm. looking for uh, jobs, and we mm-hmm. have 6 million unemployed people. There are a million more people that are, um, that are there's a million more mm-hmm. jobs than there are people unemployed. Mm-hmm. Um, wage growth is north of uh, 3% right now. Uh, inflation is well below uh, the Fed target. All of those signals for the health and strength of the economy. I look right now, um, the Atlanta Fed does something called GDP Now. It's a great forward look of GDP. What they do is they take any economic data point that pops up, they stick it back into their model and they change their forecast. Their forecast for fourth quarter GDP growth is 2.9%. It just came down from, 2.7%, I'm sorry. It came down from 2.9%. But that means that two thousand. 18 will have a north of 3% GDP growth, um, and we could spend you know an entire segment unpacking GDP growth, but tra- the fact of the matter is, our economy is fundamentally strong, um, and you asked about the consumer, 70% of the economy is driven by consumption, meaning what consumers ultimately spend. Look at holiday shopping this year, north Mm -hmm. of 5% year-over-year growth. So I think that the consumer is ignoring a lot of that noise. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the risk that there's a wealth effect, whereas consumers say, oh my gosh, my 401k isn't as valuable as it was, and they start changing their behavior in 2019 as a result. But we don't see any really advanced signals of that. The only thing that if I were to wear my worry hat for a second is much of what was spent in holiday shopping which is just shy of a trillion dollars okay most of that money was put on credit cards you know because most people do that right they buy mm-hmm. something they put on a credit card for those people who don't intend to pay that off in january when the bill comes mm-hmm. could that become a drag on our economy because we're starting to change the composition of balance sheets of consumers and consumers get more cautious meaning they consume less in 2019 and that slows down our economy. That's the only thing that I think is a bit of a, a risk out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise the economy is very, very strong. And unless we saw job numbers on a monthly basis that started to reverse, um, I, I think that uh, all of this is good for 2019
0: you mentioned that uh, spending uh, is is the root of all evil it uh, it really impacts the economy and consumer confidence is important so what about rate heights interest rates moving forward um, you know if consumers how's that going to impact the housing market and potentially the economy
2: moving forward what's interesting though is so the the 10-year treasury is still well below three percent um, and and as the um, rates were starting to get hiked, and that's the short end of the treasury curve. Um, the tr- long end of the treasury curve was moving up, or in anticipation, we saw some big, but every time the 10 year gets to, you know, 330 or something like that, for some reason, it sort of drops back down again. So it doesn't look like there's a lot of upward pressure on interest rates on the long end of the curve. Um, the thing that is worrying is as the federal government uh, continues to borrow to fund a $1 trillion budget deficit, um, is that going to derail our economic growth a little bit because we have such a huge mountain of government debt? Um, but if our economy continues to expand at this close to 3% rate, and we can continue that trend into 2019, some of that gets paid for uh, in the form of, um, of economic growth and, and, and more tax revenue. So. Um, I do worry about government debt probably more than I worry about consumer debt. And also corporate debt. Companies were borrowing a lot of money because they didn't think the window was going to be open for too long um, for um, low interest rates. So they did sort of load up on debt. So you do have a lot of aggregated corporate debt. But by the same token, there's a ton of cash sitting on the balance sheets of those corporations. And I think 2019 is going to be an M&A boom in corporate America, which also gives rise to a lot of real estate transactions as well. So if you add all that stuff up, I think it's net net positive. Um, if we did that sentiment survey that we do in Emerging Trends right now, um, I think, well, it depends on how much eggnog the, the people <laughs> responding to the survey were drinking. Um, it's possible that it would drop down a little bit. But interestingly enough, there's stuff in the headlines all the time when people are responding to those surveys. And there have been many years where there's been a huge sell-off in the summer uh, in the stock market, and the stock market dropped 6 7% or something like that. And that's right when we dropped that survey question to respondents. And for the most part, they've ignored that. So um, I I think that the economy is still fundamentally strong. And um, as as I've said repeatedly, the the economy is strong enough uh, and has enough momentum. Only one thing could really derail economic growth, and that's a policy blunder. Mm -hmm. So what could that look like? Uh, The Fed continuing to hike when they shouldn't, policy blunder. Uh, Trade spat Gets really nasty, potentially policy blunder. And lastly, does a split government, meaning Democrats controlling the House, Republicans controlling the Senate, and the executive branch, could that dysfunction uh, give rise to policy blunders like rolling back regulations that could derail economic growth? Short of policy blunder, um, the the economy continues to chug forward.
0: Yeah, and that. That last point you made, is that what's making people nervous that maybe we've got the government's not going to work as well moving forward?
2: Um, well, uh, you point me to a government that does, <laughs> that does work well. That's never worked that's well. That's ever worked well. <laughs> um, what's interesting, though, and I do a ton of mm-hmm. Fox business, as you mm-hmm. know, and I've been on a ton of panels on the air when we thought prior to the midterms, when we, we thought it was likely that the Democrats would probably control the House, which they will, Republicans would control the Senate. And all the pundits were saying, you know what, gridlock is good. The market likes gridlock because nothing changes. <laughs> and what's interesting is I would say that the stock market, you, you began with stock market, so maybe I'll sort of uh, come back to it. The stock market has been impervious to all of that noise in Washington. Mm-hmm. Just impervious to it, and they were looking at corporate earnings, and corporate earnings continued to deliver. Then all of a sudden, they hit the pause button for a second and started paying attention to Twitter and seeing <laughs> what was going back and forth, mm-hmm. and that started to bake into their calculus a little bit. Um, I think it's it's the roll, it's the 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 trend of rolling back regulations being derailed by um, Congress somehow trying to enact legislation to, to, to stop some of that. So uh, banking regulations, Dodd-Frank's being rolled back on the margins. Um, the fiduciary rule, for example, in, with the Department of Labor that impact investments, that got rolled back. Some of the EPA regulations that have gotten rolled back and so on. If that changes through legislative action, where um, at least stays the pattern of rolling back regulations, that is something that does concern uh, investors, so okay. we'll have to see.
0: All right, we're talking with Mitch Roselle, partner with PwC, about what he expects for 2019 moving forward, especially with some kind of the recent changes we've had in, in the economy and the political scene. So, is your outlook for interest rates changed, any, And what might, what do you expect moving
2: forward? I think the challenge with interest rates is you have to look what the Fed does as part of the calculus. Then you have to look at how much debt there is out there in the marketplace and what people are willing to pay for it. You know, um, China is a huge sovereign buyer of US treasuries. Does China's views towards the United States in the trade spat change their behavior as it relates to buying our paper? And if it does, does that do something to change its trades? Does Brexit and the ripping apart of the European Union and, and, and their central banking function Does that give rise to a shift in in interest rates around the globe where other sovereign debt looks different than our debt? Those are the things that are going to impact interest rates more than uh, another quarter percent hike, another quarter percent hike. Um, And what's interesting is all the talk about the inversion of the yield curve. Um, The question really is, and this is rhetorical, so don't ask me to answer it, but um, does the inversion of the yield curve um, foreshadow a recession, or does it create a recession? And that's something that I don't know. But we did see inversion between the three-year and the five-year a couple of weeks ago. And that caused algorithms that trade stocks to totally freak out. Inverted yield curve sends like shockwaves yeah. through uh, through the markets. Um, so, that's hard to tell. But I think it's going to be the supply and demand of debt, and what people are willing to pay for that debt, and how much coupon they want on that debt, in uh, all of the auctions for all of the Treasury securities around the globe. That's really going to dictate what, what rates are like. And uh, what credit spreads look like on corporate debt. Right now, that market's shut down a little bit. But when corporate America goes out to finance their balance sheets, what, is, what do credit spreads look like on corporate debt? that's gonna dictate what interest rates are like. And if they do go up 100 basis points, no question, that's gonna slow down real estate, no question.
0: All right, well, you sound pretty confident that the commercial real estate market's gonna continue to do well, but I'm sensing that you're not as confident today at the end of December as you were when you were here for emerging trends. When was that? Uh, I was Uh, here uh, in
2: October. October, yes.
0: So is is there a little, uh, you're a little more concerned? I I
2: think what's interesting is Um, a bright light has gotten shined on a lot of issues in terms of how it influences investment decisions, and that's what caused me to sound more concerned, or it's lack of sleep, it's one (laughs) of the two. Um, But what's interesting is, let's just talk about tax reform (laughs) and corporate decision-making and how that really works. (laughs) So Trump gets elected, promises tax reform, ultimately delivers tax reform within 12 months of inauguration. Corporate America did not know if that was going to pass. So corporate America was not making any decisions based upon a campaign promise until it got signed by the president. They weren't doing anything. So we've really, that law, Tax Cuts and Job Act, has been the law for 12 months. Um, In that period of time, nine months for smooth sailing, and then all of a sudden all this stuff happened. Corporate decision makers haven't really had an opportunity to lay out the plans that will derive the benefit from that piece of tax legislation, changing the global tax scheme, lowering corporate interest rates, um, basically making pass-throughs tax preferred. All of those features haven't really flushed through. Even the $10,000 limit on state and local tax deduction, that clearly looks like the housing market is having a hard time having some indigestion with that. But we don't even know that yet, because until people file their tax returns, which are due in, you know, April of whatever, 15th-ish, I don't know what, what day of the week, the 15th falls in 2019, but people aren't going to really know how that hurt them or didn't hurt them until well into, so there's a real lag effect with yeah. with fiscal policy, and we need to let this play out, um, and that's going to be the challenge, so I'm still net optimistic that that tax policy was pro-growth and the right policy. I think what the investment community is worried about is it's not going to be given. It's not going to be given enough time to to germinate, or I think that's the right word, um, and create the growth that um, it was designed to. uh, provide.
0: So I can still do the Snoopy dance then?
2: Yeah, I believe I tweeted (laughs) a picture of Snoopy doing a dance and tagged you in it. All right,
0: Mitch, well, good information as usual. Thank you for joining us. Thanks,
2: Michael. Happy New Year. All right.
0: And thank you for joining us out there across the country. Appreciate uh, you liking the show on on, uh, Facebook and connecting with us on LinkedIn and Twitter. So uh, I hope you had a great new year. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by BullRealty.com, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. RedIQ.com, turning data into valuable action. BuyProxy.com, a complimentary listing service. Commercialagentsuccess.com, video training from Michael Bull. Bomi.org, property and facility management education. To access these recommended companies or for more podcasts and videos, visit CREshow.com.